Hey, welcome to the Monkey House Primates. So, thanks so much. I've asked around here to quickly uh, let you all know that we're in Sydney. We're about to be in Brisbane. So uh, very quick stop in Sydney. We're just here for a few nights. So come and see us. And then what are we doing? We're going up to Brisbane. We're going to do a Who Knew It with Matt Stewart at Good Chat. And we're also doing a couple of Dryer Dryers, our comedy festival show. It's the last run of the whole tour. So come on down, Brisbane. That's right. And in Sydney, we're at the Manning Bar and at the Chippo for the Who Knew It. Really pumped up. Hopefully see you all there. Uh, now on with the show. Ook, ook. What is that what the monkey say? Yeah, ooga cha cha. <laughs> Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Welcome to Primates, the podcast where we explore primates in popular culture from chimpan A to chimpan Z. This week on the show, joining us back in the monkey house for the second time this week, it's comedian and congophile Jack Drews. Welcome, Jack. <laughs> I forgot that you introduced me as a congophile. <laughs> really? That's great. The big Kong head. You weren't sure about it yeah. a couple of days ago. How about now? Um, yeah, I like it. I've been introducing myself to other people as a congophile <laughs> in, in non monkey podcast related yeah. settings. Yeah, like uh, call up um, call up the bank, and you know, be like, "Hi, I'm Jack Drus, Kongophile." <laughs> like, I would like what a, does that a mean, loan. Sir? Yeah, I'm in desperate financial <laughs> trouble, and I love King Kong. That's what I tell him. Yeah, well, those two things are not related. Um, if anything, your Kong your Kong love would probably have you in a better financial position than otherwise. Yeah, I'm hoping I can um. Network with some of the more powerful Kongophiles in society. <laughs> so you're back this week. Um, what? Well, only a couple of days ago, we released an episode uh, that I stuffed up audio-wise. You had you did all your job perfectly well as a guest and as a person recording their own audio. That's in the Kongophile community. We're pr- quite specific about yes uh, audio levels and stuff. Unfortunately, I did not. Uh, I did not sort of do my part of the bargain there and i um uh released a pretty uh, we put it out and it was such a fun episode so hopefully people were able to listen to it get through it a bunch of people have been messaging and saying the audio wasn't too bad someone actually said that it it kind of sounded like i was in a quarantine bunker radio in radioing in on like a <laughs> one of those uh what are they called 2b radios or something that's not right uh i know what you mean yeah break it break it's a real <laughs> it's a real blessing that the podcasting medium didn't start off like back in those days yeah like if you had to listen to podcasts where it was all just like people you know like you see in the korean war where like a guy's got a backpack and the whole thing is like a radio (laughs) and he's like need medicine (laughs) just like that but people are reviewing yeah 
every episode of the Tonight Show or whatever. Oh, welcome to Primates. Over. <laughs> uh, no, I think maybe we should do a whole episode like that uh, at some point. Um, but anyway, so we talked about uh, King Kong's origin story, uh, Kong through the ages, all the way up to 2005's uh, Peter Jackson version, which was an epic three-hour version. And fittingly, the episode was one of the longest ones I've ever done as well. Yeah, a lot to break down with Kong. Yes. Uh, there was that time where he... Well, I can't remember what it was called, but it was something like Bride of Kong. And um, yeah, he had to have blood injected into him from a... Yeah. I can't remember what it was, but it was real fun, whatever it was. And I I hope to watch that someday. I hope there's a... In the same way that Peter Jackson remembered being a little boy and watching the original King Kong and inspiring him to be a filmmaker. I hope there's a filmmaker out there now who was just a young kid watching Bride of Kong, <laughs> watching King Kong get injected with some weird blood or something and think, I gotta, I'm going to make that. That's what I want to do. A three-hour epic. Yeah, and he goes out and he buys artifacts from the filming and yeah, <laughs> he one day, yeah, wins an Oscar for, for a, a movie about dwarfs or whatever that other one yeah. he did <laughs> orcs who were talking trees i believe but don't quote me on Ents. that Ents were the trees. damn it i'm saving you a lot of <laughs> thank you very much orc sounds more like a tree an orc tree but yeah ant you're right it sounds like oh yeah and ant sounds like ant so i would have thought that they would have been big insects yeah but that was the thing Maybe about jj rkr tolling he liked <laughs> to think outside the box that's the what differentiated him as a creative genius. Yeah, I feel like most most authors of the time would have called uh, ants would have been sort of ants, yeah, and orcs would have been uh, trees. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what made him the king. He had the vision to uh, give it a switcheroo. Yeah, yeah, that is smart. Because isn't I? Yeah, someone was. Oh, there was this uh, comedian uh, from Canberra named Bill, and he he mentioned in a. a bit i saw him do where there's there's a there's a one of these sort of movies no it's the uh, the tv one that's like that uh, winter's coming that one. Oh, the game of thrones and in it there's a dragon called drogan right <laughs> i don't remember that, that which funny. is so funny he's like yeah and he he made that very good joke about that that uh where's the imagination there but um yeah uh, it's it really feels like one of those um like that was the working title where they were writing it and they were like all right we'll we'll come up with something better yeah. as we go on but it's just pencil you know put a pin in drogan for now <laughs> and then we'll work on the rest of the series and then it's like they're watching it go to air live and it's like watch out for drogan <laughs> like jesus christ it's still called drogan <laughs> yeah they're furious how did that slip through yeah. but swiss cheese our writing process yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, Kong Skull Island, would you you would have been very excited to see this? Seeing as in two thousand and five, you were you're a young teen, ready to um, uh, take on the world, and King Kong by Peter Jackson really. You, I think you described it as the movie that made you a man. <laughs> might, might be paraphrasing. Yeah. No, I, I look at my life as um, a pre Kong and post Kong. <laughs> yeah, really. Before King Kong, I was just an innocent boy with no real sense of, you know, the world. And then it was after King Kong where I uh, became a very sort of serious, world-weary, kind of joyless 
husk of a man yeah. after that. I kind of, I knew my best days were behind me then. You're the the man that we've all known, uh, come to know and love. The husk. Yeah. Yeah. The real <laughs> the husk. Was it? Did it happen uh, when Kong was first seen about an hour in, or was it? Can you remember the moment in in the Peter Jackson King Kong when it happened? Um, I think it was when uh, I realised that um, Jack Black's character was having financial troubles. Yeah. In New York City, that really upset me. Right. Yeah. I assumed he'd be having a, you know, good old time in New York in the twenties making movies. You know, it sounds like a it sounds like great fun. It's the city that never then, sleeps. The Big Apple. Exactly. The dream. And then he's like, "Oh, I need money." I'm like, oh. Ugh. What? What's the point in anything? Yeah, if you can't, if you're struggling in New York City in the 1920s, then yeah. you know, if you can't thrive, then when can you thrive? Exactly. As Jack Black, a movie maker, <laughs> I decided to see Jack Black's ad. Not that he yeah. was particularly, but you know, he should have been. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he really kept his spirits up. That he did. Guy. Yeah, every he saw everything as an opportunity. He's so good. I think I'm. I, I've always kind of liked Jack Black, but I feel like in the last little while I've really come to appreciate Jack Black a lot. I think he's awesome. Yeah, me too. I I saw a video of him. Um, he was just dancing uh, without his shirt on on a like a skateboard ramp that maybe was built into his house. I couldn't really tell. Yeah. And he was just on the skateboard ramp, just no shirt with a big beard, just dancing around with some music underneath it. That's just as so a social good. media video. I feel like a lot of celebrity social media seems kind of like a bit calculated and cynical yeah. where I just thought that I was like, nah, he's just a cool, fun guy who likes having fun and goofing around. Why not? Good for you. That, yeah, it's genuine. He's not. That's not take four. Wait, yeah. I didn't quite nail this. <laughs> Let's try one with the shirt off. He's screaming at everyone between takes. Yeah. God, focus. How hard is this? Uh, so anyway, I guess the reason I was bringing up uh, the fact that 2005, Peter Jackson, it was a big moment in your life. You're a teenager, coming of age. Uh, how, where were you in, in life in 2017 when this version, Kong Skull Island, came out? Um, 2017, I was, I was living in Melbourne. I w- would have been living in Melbourne for probably three or four years at that point. Um, I was... Uh, I was working for a TV show, and I was uh, I, I went and saw it at the cinema uh, with a friend of mine, and I remember because I I was texting back and forth with my friend trying to figure out what movie to see and and when, and she'd said, "Do you want to see Kong or something?" And I'd said, sort of, you know, when you you riff in text message form, yeah. I'd been like, uh, like, because obviously you and I both know I did want to see Kong. But as the riff in the thing, I was like, I don't know, he seems pretty big. <laughs> like, well, I don't know if I want to see this King Kong movie. He looks pretty big. I mean, come on. And then what had happened was, uh, I think, because a lot of my text correspondence is through actual text messages, but then a lot of it is through Facebook Messenger as well. And I think I sometimes, usually it'll be one person, you just correspond through one thing. But the friend I was talking to was one of those people where they'll they'll keep you guessing. You know, sometimes you get a Facebook message and sometimes you get a text message. Yeah. It was one of those, one of those psychopaths. Um, so 
I was getting messages from them and talking about this Kong thing. And I think what happened was I texted back when it was, they had been sending me a Facebook message and I just texted back to whoever my most recent text message was. (laughs) So there was an exchange when I sent the text to my boss at the time. He'd messaged me something about swapping a shift and I'd be like, I don't know, Kong seems pretty big. Uh, And then I had to send that back to the other person and try and go back and forth and explain but my boss had a sense of humor about it which meant i was now in in two different riffs about <laughs> yeah. about how big king kong was <laughs> and i had to say oh, that was meant for someone else um and then he said something and i was like you gotta understand boss he's too big <laughs> he's a big monkey he's so big he is so big he's like this has got to be the biggest kong ever right the, the skull yeah you kong. gotta think so he's um yeah the other one was sort of like almost believable that a, a real big gorilla could exist like that but this one's a you know he's he wouldn't climb you know some climb the well nearly all of them until this film climb the empire state building but this one yeah. would almost you know it'd be half as high as the empire state building or maybe as as tall as the empire state building yeah this guy could like um it could climb the empire state building in like one move yeah it's you just the I mean? first like it, step yeah, just like a sort of a jump and a pull up. Like he yeah. could do a parkour maneuver over the top of the Empire State Building. He could Bill Gates jump it like it's a chair. Yeah. <laughs> I just saw that Goxie posted that video on Twitter the other day and I'd heard people mention it before, but I didn't know what they were referencing. It's just a yeah. there's a real video out there of Bill Gates probably in the nineties going, I can jump a chair and the journalist going, Do you wanna jump this chair? And he goes, Oh yeah, I could jump this chair and then he jumps the chair. It's real good. It's, it was a That's great awesome. moment. Yeah. It was a real Jack Black type moment. I think Jack Black yeah. should play Bill Gates in a biopic. Oh, I would love that. It would be so good. A real... um, uh, One that's real uh, loose with the facts is yeah. what I would like. <laughs> Maybe kind of like he, like he reprises his character from School of Rock, essentially. Yeah. But if that guy went on to create the biggest computer empire in history... I think That's this could be real I good. Like. I would yeah. love that film. Let's. I, I know a lot of uh, Hollywood listens to this podcast. One of you should make it happen. Yeah, get on board. What would we call it? Jack M- Microsoft uh, School. Of, uh, yeah, it could be. Yeah, cool School of Microsoft or something. School. Yeah. Yeah, that's all I got brain power for right now. That's School pretty of good. Microsoft. Yeah. School of Microsoft. <laughs> I apologize for how good that was. Um, oh, man. He would... Jack Black in that scene where they're, like, launching Microsoft 95 and they're, like, it's the big awkward celebration party thing on stage. He would he would kill that scene. Yeah. He should just actually invent some tech. He'd be a great <laughs> real-life tech front man. He would. I would invest in his company. Yeah, in a me second. too. Jeez. Um, so you saw you saw the film at the cinemas. I, I think uh, listeners of this show would know that I've I've only recently seen any King Kongs. Uh, the first one was to Peter Jackson's one to do this podcast. The second one was Skull Island last night to do this podcast. But uh, you were a Kongophile even back then. I imagine you were really anticipating seeing this. What were what were your initial thoughts about it? Um. I, I honestly didn't find it particularly uh, memorable. Like, I thought that, that Kong was really big. Yep. Uh, but I, I felt like it was sort of a... Uh, 
like I, I feel like the Peter Jackson one kind of dug into the. It was like it did its own version of this kind of classic story, like it, in the same way that, it's if you think about like Robin Hood or something, it's like Robin Hood's the character, but the the legend of Robin Hood is also, it's also like the world. You know what I mean? It's like the sheriff of Nottingham and the, he has his band of like his crew of bandits and stuff. Yeah, and like there's a, there's these elements to it that would make it a Robin Hood movie. Yeah, you hit, they where, hit the same beats nearly every time. Yeah, there's like there's the character, but there's also the the world as part of it. Where I felt like that wasn't like you could have made this movie, and it if instead of King Kong, it was just like, uh, you know, just a giant bug or something. You know, you could have just put in a like an ant. An ant. You could put in like some kind of. Uh, like lightning powered lizard or a rabbit or a anything a rabbit any that'd monster. be cool yeah. i like that as an idea just a normal rabbit a huge oh a normal sized rabbit no 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 a regular sized rabbit <laughs> and everyone fears it it's called king yeah. rabbit king bunny yeah. and everyone fears it there's a whole um uh, mythology on the island about this rabbit See, yeah. like, they didn't do any of the classic things. I mean, I've, I've only just learned about King Kong's the story for, for real, even though I, I realised watching the Peter Jackson one and reading more about it that basically I already knew the whole King Kong story, picking it up from, like, Simpsons references and other mm. things like that. But um, they, they hardly do any of this. They, they go to an island called Skung, Skull Island, but they don't catch a, they don't, um, catch a boat there. They fly there in helicopters. They move yeah. it from the 30s to the 70s, Vietnam War. Yeah, um, that, that I thought was cool. Yeah, I, I'd like some changes. Uh, like, I think these sort of things are okay to mess around with, but they don't... There's there's no element of... Um, uh, the, they never take it back to the city. Kong doesn't mm. die, which is a big spoiler, but the reason for that is because they're trying to start a big... Uh, monster movie franchise with Godzilla and other giants of the screen. Mm. Um, and that's why later this year, I think in November, uh, and maybe we'll have to reboot this podcast and have you come back on after the movie comes out, Jack, but there's a film called Godzilla vs. Kong coming out. Oh, yeah. That'll be good. It's crazy there hasn't been... Like, I mean, I could be wrong, but I feel like there should have been like 10 of those movies by now. It seems like such a marketable franchise yeah like everyone loves godzilla everyone loves king kong get them together because i think it did have we talked about a little bit last week i think that uh, a few days ago that um that yeah uh the guy who came up with kong he had it sold under his nose to a japanese team oh, yeah. i think in the 70s and they made a few but the kong in those films was quite different so there is sort of a history of this uh, and now Universal have have sort of um, swept up a bunch of rights for these sort of films, and they're trying to build a world. I think there's already been two Godzilla films. Mm-hmm. This was the third in the series, I think, this uh, Skull Island one, and then Kong versus um, uh, or Godzilla versus Kong is coming as well as. Let me just look this up. Um, yeah, it's called the MonsterVerse, um, and it's owned by. I said Universal, but it's Legendary Entertainment and Warner Brothers. Uh, so far, there's been Godzilla, Kong Skull Island, Godzilla King of the Monsters, and then uh, coming up is Godzilla vs. Kong. And that. What other, what other big guys would you like to see in the mix? Yeah. Well, yeah. What other giant? 
monsters are there? Could you do a huge Frankenstein? <laughs> yeah, they should just take popular monsters and make them big. Yeah. What about? Yeah, I wonder if they could get some of the like the Nintendo baddies. Get um, who's who's the big uh, sort of reptile guy from Mario Brothers? Uh, Bowser. Bowser. Get big Bowser in there. Yeah, yeah. Get um. Yeah, what about like Kong versus Big Dracula? Oh, that's a movie I would watch. That sounds amazing, <laughs> Big Dracula, and that's his name, Big Dracula. Yeah. <laughs> Big Dracula versus King Kong. Remember Dracula? Well, he's back, and he's yeah. big. <laughs> he's bigger than ever. <laughs> that's sick. Oh, that's really you know, good. Because he, he could be regular Dracula at the beginning, but then he goes and gets his fangs into maybe King Kong's foot or something. Oh, yes. Gets some of that Kong blood in him, and then he gets Kong-sized because of the the ape blood. And then does Kong become undead? He would. Wow. It would be Big Dracula and Kong. uh, Maybe maybe it's just one creature. He could become Count Kong, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Count Count Kong versus Big Dracula. Yeah. (laughs) This is, I think, I, I don't know if Warner Brothers are listening, but maybe I'll, I'll shoot off an email later and see if we can get involved in this. Yeah, and if they're immortal, then it's like, you could do it any any time. Yeah, yes. It could be like way in the future, could be anywhere. And they can still have sort of, they can uh, have the tragedy, because that's what they took out of this Kong from all the other Kongs, there's a tragedy at the end of man killing this big, beautiful beast. Mm. Uh which I guess is like a, I don't know what what were the I'm imagining that was there was messaging in that that was like, this is we're destroying the uh, planet, you know, and Kong sort of is the embodiment of nature or something. Is that what it's meant to be? Maybe not. I mean, that's a pretty if that is what it's meant to be. There's a lot of real, real strange metaphors there when it's nature and yeah. smashing people and. Uh, that's a hurricane. That's a metaphor yeah. for a hurricane. <laughs> you know, we've angered nature and now nature's fighting back. But in the yeah. end, we kill nature. But then nature sort of, you know, breaks down and gives back to nature itself. Yeah. And somehow is still alive in the next film for Bride of Kong. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever that film was called. So in, in this one, um, they've clearly been influenced by another film that I haven't seen that uh, I've been told a lot of times that I, I have to see it. Um, and it's, the, even the names escape me now. What's the famous Vietnam War movie? The fa- I know the famous Vietnam War is the Vietnam War. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's the famous Vietnam War movie? It's um, Apocalypse Now. So it feels oh, okay. like there's yeah, a... Yeah. Even, again, that's another movie I've never seen, but I know the references of sev- classic 70s rock music playing over helicopters mm. swooping through the jungle. It's clearly referencing yeah. that, right? Yeah, I haven't seen that either, but I'm in the same boat. I know the know the know the beats. Yes, and I like I I quite like that sort of stuff, but it did it felt like I don't know. It just felt a bit odd because uh, it was pretty. It was sort of laid on pretty thick in parts. Yeah, it's kind of like you could you could uh, see the pitch meeting. Yeah, where they were like, it's apocalypse now, but with Kong, <laughs> and then they that is a pretty good pitch though. Yeah, I mean, actually, yeah, that yeah. no, that's that's pretty good. I, yeah, I know. Honestly, I didn't mind some of those things. So I guess the start of the film it starts with uh, a, a 1930s encounter on Skull Island. So we see Kong within the first minute or something. Yeah, there's a battle between I think an American is it an American um, 
soldier and a Japanese soldier, I think. And they're yeah. just one on one, or they're they're actually they're both air air fighters, pilots, yeah. and they both crash and then uh, have hand to hand combat, and then Kong appears, and then we flash forward to the seventies, and John Goodman is is uh, pitching to a senator that he needs funding, basically to get to Skull Island, but he's talking about he's not saying because there's monsters there, he's saying because there's an interesting geolog geo logical site there or something right that's um and the the american and the japanese soldier they stop fighting when they see king kong right yeah and then it just sort of hard cuts so we don't know what happens to their story until later that's a good a good lesson about about war and conflict yeah that maybe we need to put our differences aside is like a giant terrifying ape and maybe we should that could be our next one where King Kong goes to the Middle East maybe yeah right is King so Kong still representing that. nature uh yes <laughs> I'd like to make it as complex as possible yeah well King Kong will represent nature um but also uh communism yeah great fantastic um so so then so we're in the seventies, John Goodman, he gets this senator, goes, All right, last chance, Goodman. He doesn't call him Goodman, but you know. <laughs> and he, he gets the funding and it and they send him to Skull Island with the army. The army's there to um protect him because they gotta get through this crazy uh storm that covers Skull Island, which is why no one can get there. But they get through it and then Kong is there again. So we see Kong within one minute briefly, and then we see him again. I reckon within half an hour we see him fully um, creating havoc, taking down helicopters out of the sky. Yeah. What do you think about this? Is a, a quite a big departure from the original films. Uh, I feel like it's a, um, as a as a stand up comedian. I feel like they've done like how comedians think about planning out a set. You know, it's like you got to start strong and close strong. Yeah. Like they've just gone quite mathematically and been like, all right, people want to see Kong smashing stuff. <laughs> So we'll start with that, obviously, get them roped in, give them their money's worth. Then we'll, you know, fill it in with some other shit that no one really cares about. But then later, King Kong will be back and he'll be smashing more stuff. Yeah. So. It's, yeah, I, it's an interesting idea because I know uh, in the 33 version, they held back Kong for the f- like the first half of the film. You don't see Kong. And their logic was because I think the money men at the time were like, "No, what are you doing? We gotta, we gotta get Kong in there quickly. The people are gonna get bored." And um, but the creators cleverly said, "No, that this will build up suspense, and then it'll really have a huge impact." Yeah. But now, like, people aren't gonna be shocked by a big monster on screen anymore, are they? Really? No, that's a good point. Actually, yeah, no one. I mean, it is pretty big. Yeah, it is like it's big. even bigger than the. I mean, uh, during the the screening I went to, I screamed uh, "Yowza!" Top <laughs> of my lungs. Wow, that's a big ape. Yeah, <laughs> I've heard of a big ape, but this is ridiculous. <laughs> I scr- I screamed at the top of my lungs. And you got a, an applause break. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, people loved it. <laughs> so yeah, so. I I, I, ca- I stuck around to the next screening because I wanted to yell it again, but it was a different film, so I still screamed "Yowza!" That's a big ape, but it was a romantic comedy. How'd it go down? Uh, it, well, it's Meryl Streep had just appeared on screen, <laughs> and I think people thought it was people thought I was being very 
very rude. Okay. They were like, what? Whoa. How Excuse me. That's screen legend Meryl Streep up there. She is not an ape. ape? How dare you? So I kind of get the logic of why they just go, you know... um, they just got it out there. They're like, people want to want to see this. Let's give them a taste straight off the bat. Mm. Uh, so yeah, I guess I didn't mind that so much. And you eventually, if you're making an, another version of an already classic film twelve years after a, a huge blockbuster version of it was made, you're gonna have to change up the formula a little bit, right? Otherwise, what's yeah. the point? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because Peter Jackson had like seventy years worth of suspense and people. <laughs> yeah. People waiting by bated breath for the next Kong. Where this he also had me. 70 years of improved CGI and all that sort of stuff yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. And, I, you know, the CGI on this one isn't... Um, it's fine, but already, to me, I'm like, oh, this is not This is going to date pretty quickly. Looking yes. at it going, I don't... Yeah, I'm already it looks very computer-generated to me. Yeah, I wasn't blown away by it, other than the size of Kong. Yeah. As I said, was, that's... Yowza. <laughs> Yowza. Uh, so that was one big change they made. Uh, another one was that um, they weren't making a film or anything like that. This was just going... John Goodman basically... He he implied that he'd seen it. I mean, these are things that people who paid more attention to the film would understand better than me. But uh, in my sort of... I, I might have zoned out slightly. But he said something like, you know, he'd seen it before and he wanted to make him pay. So it was like a trip of venge... <laughs> vengeance for him and he the what rest did, what did King Kong do to him the, re, the whole, make him pay. whole rest of the crew were unaware of that this was a vengeance thing for him and he was just using them all it was, it's strange but um, it wasn't like I want to go see it because it's a big beautiful creature and I want to learn about it it was I want to get yeah. him and that and yeah. he pretty much very quickly brought Samuel L. Jackson the um, the head of the army Along with him, he also was just in he because Kong had taken down a, a bunch of soldiers in the helicopters as they flew in. He was furious at Kong and wanted yeah. Kong to pay no matter what, even though clearly John Goodman was the reason that those soldiers died. Yeah, <laughs> he flew in there knowing that that was what was going to happen, but he took it out. He was taken out on Kong, who was just protecting. It's like they were dropping bombs on his home. So he started smacking him out of the sky. It feels pretty reasonable to me what Kong did. Yeah, definitely. And it's like they they know that it's like King Kong's a animal as well. It's not like a <laughs> yeah. military like enemy they have where there's like mallet like ill will between them or something. It's like it's like if you there was a like a animal in a cage and you jumped in the cage and started slapping it <laughs> yeah and then it retaliated somehow and then you like had this lifelong grudge <laughs> against him like because <laughs> like he basically is in a cage it's so hard for humans to get through to this island because of the the barrier of 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 storms yeah i've i've described that pretty well the barrier of storms surrounding mm, of the island but they that is john goodman's logic he does say at some point he's like if we don't kill it eventually these animals are going to come and get us. <laughs> so he's, he's sort of... It's like a preemptive strike is what he's saying. Yeah, it's inevitable these giant animals will, of their own will, despite having plentiful food and yeah. everything they need on L- this island... Living in a paradise. Through their own will to destroy, will sneak out and get us all. So, yeah, that's... 
yeah, that logic doesn't really hold up. So that's that's all a little bit different as well. Another big difference they made, there were no dinosaurs this time, but there were these underworld creatures who were kind of like, they were two-legged, just kind of, they're pretty scrappily designed to me. Mm. They look like the bad uh, monsters from uh, Stranger Things season one. Yeah, they do. The Yeah, I hated those guys. I remember thinking they were just all round no good. Yeah, I agree. Like, I'm like, they're meant, obviously meant to be the like evil bad guys, but I still felt like even then they were just too gross looking for me. Yeah, they were gross and, and also, yeah, just didn't have that weight thing that you your good CGI has where you're like, I, I'm actually believing that to be a real animal. It just looks yeah. like it's 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 not sitting there on the ground somehow. Um, and it, there was a real one, a few really funny scenes. I thought when John C. Riley came into the film, so the the people who didn't get taken down by the helicopters, uh, they met John C. Riley, who was living amongst uh, the the local population on the island. Who and this is another big change. I like this change a bit. Um, in some of the other adaptations, they made the locals look. Uh, like they were, um, they were sort of out of date. Not out of date. What am I saying? They were sort of uh, prehistoric people almost. Mm. They been, but but they made it. Uh, they reversed that on this one. And John C. Riley's like, uh, they've gone beyond possessions and those sort of things. They don't even really need to talk. Basically, like they've evolved beyond the rest of humanity. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I, I didn't remember that bit. Yeah, but that's a nice little touch. And then. Um, do you uh, think but, evolving next to the world's biggest ape would speed things along in society? Yeah, that's right. And in and in their world, uh, Kong started protecting them from the rest of the monsters on the island. So they love Kong. He's yeah. king of the island. And and they also talk about how Kong was once a part of a, you know, the the the, the big apes was a species on the island, but he was the last remaining one, and he's sort of their the their protector, and he kind of keeps the island in balance. He keeps those yeah. un- weird underworld creatures in check, uh, protects the humans and all that sort of stuff. But John C. Riley, it turns out, is that uh, American army man from the start of the film, from the mm-hmm. um, from that early fight, and he's been there for twenty eight years. He's been counting the days, and he's so he's so funny. I reckon he's he's real great in this. Um, and he's another one of those. Um kind of like a Jack Black character where I just believe him. Like, I believe he's just a fun, silly guy having a great time. Yes. And he, he's... he's. I think he, yeah, almost steals the show in this. I think he's probably yeah. my highlight from the whole film are all his sequences. He he goes, um, we got to be careful. So when he's meeting him, he, he explains these weird lizard creatures from under the underworld as, and he calls them um, uh, skull crawlers. And they're like, skull yeah. crawlers? And he's like... Yeah, Skullcrawl. Look, I just had to I had to come up with a name. I said I thought it was going to make you fear them. But now that I've said it out loud, yeah, it does sound pretty silly. You can call, call whatever you like. <laughs> it's real funny. He's like instantly insecure about what he's named. Yeah. <laughs> just uh, great fun. Uh, and yeah, he. I think he's so fun in this. But it, yeah, always. I saw him once at the new, uh, Northcote Social Club. It's like oh, yeah. a Melbourne venue that holds a few hundred people. Yeah, and it was him playing bluegrass songs. So oh, good. Oh wow! I, yeah. I, for some reason, when you said that, I didn't, I didn't guess he was performing there. I thought you just saw him there. Yeah, right. No, yeah. I thought that. I thought like, oh, that's cool. He's just 
go to Melbourne and watch, you know, small gigs. Yeah. That's sick. But he went, came to Melbourne and performed a small gig. Yeah. Even yeah. better, really. It was real great. It was, it was real fun, cool music. Yeah. I think he's a guy I don't think about that much, but now that I'm thinking about him, I'm like, he's maybe one of the best people <laughs> out there. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I don't think about him as much as I should, really. <laughs> I should I should dedicate at least half an hour a day yeah. thinking about <laughs> Just sit, John C. Ryan. Meditate on John C. Ryan. Yeah, I think I'd be happier then. Has he ever worked with Jack Black? What a combo that'd be. Oh, man, that would be like... They should just lock him in a, in a cage together and see what happens. Yeah. Oh, that'd be great. And then John Goodman comes in and disturbs them. Oh, rattles the cage. <laughs> yeah. This, now we're getting somewhere again. I think this could be big. Uh, yeah, and they're all big. They're yeah. all much bigger. <laughs> oh, of course, they're giant. Yeah. They make this 100-foot Kong look like a look like an ant. Is how big they're going to be. It's so, going to be like the size of a solar system each. That's how big I want them. Yes. Oh, yes. Solar system sized. Yeah. Maybe that's what it can be called. Solar, solar system sized John C. Riley versus solar system sized Jack Black. The trailer's just like, you idiots thought King Kong was big? Well, guess again. You can hardly see him in this universe. Yeah. <laughs> solar system sized Jack Black. Solar system sized John C. Riley versus solar system sized Dracula in one Hollywood epic. And it starts with um, we're in on King Kong. He seems huge. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, a massive hand comes over and flicks him off. Yeah. And then we zoom out and we realize John C. Riley is actually way bigger than even yeah. huge King Kong. And then it says, it says on the bottom of the screen, that was actually the biggest Kong ever. Yeah. <laughs> That's oh, how man. big John C. Riley is now. We should, we should do another podcast where we just show Hollywood how to make a real movie yeah. for once. Oh, it doesn't it infuriate you? You know, these gatekeepers at Hollywood keeping us out? Our yeah, big ideas? Like, yeah. Oh, make it make it normal and boring. Uh, no thanks. Grounded and real. Idea. Yeah. <laughs> Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So, uh, so how, where do we go from here? So now it's, I guess, the, the main point of the film. I think uh, John Goodman... Uh, is dead about now. He's squashed by. I can't remember if it's Kong, or if it's one of the lizard, the skull crawlers. But one yeah. of them gets him, and he I says, "Oh either. no!" There's also a huge spider <laughs> at one point early on. Yeah. Do you remember that? The sort of legs look like tree trunks almost. Yeah. Someone gets impaled by one of them through the mouth. Also... Oh, they yeah, look that's... up at it a gog, and then the spider just spikes it through its mouth. Are there big birds that eat people as well? Uh, they're sort of yeah. They kind of look like pterodactyls. They yeah. uh, take a guy away. So I think about somewhere around halfway through the film, um, John C. Riley is, is sort of with the gang. He wants to get home, and he decide he he says to the others, he's like, 
Let's not go east. East is bad news. We've got a saying on the island. West is best. East is bad. Or something like that. <laughs> and the rest are like, no, we got to go. Uh, uh, Samuel L. Jackson's like, no, I don't leave a man behind. We've lost this one guy. Um, I forget what his name was. Uh, but he's he's over in the east. We're going to go get him. Uh, and uh, we haven't mentioned him yet, but the guy who plays Loki in the... Um, Marvel Universe is, is sort of like the hero of the film. Uh, Tom Hiddleston? Tom Hiddleston, yeah. But I guess in a way, he's the hero of the film in a pretty forgettable way. And that's why we haven't mentioned him half an yeah. hour into this episode. <laughs> uh, so uh, they all go along to find this uh, soldier who's been left behind. But we know that he's already been killed by one of these lizard skull crawlers. And then when they get there, they're about to get there, Hiddleston finds uh, the lost soldier's dog tags and goes he's already dead this is folly let's go back and Samuel L. Jackson goes no we go on and he's like well wait isn't this about finding him and he's and then they realize no it's really about going to the crashed airplane because that's where all the ammunition is and Samuel L. Jackson wants to get it so that he can blow up Kong (laughs) because he's because he's hell-bent on vengeance yeah it's like (laughs) it turns out Kong and him were like buddies in the 50s or something and they had <laughs> Kong cheated him at dice or something yeah <laughs> they've got this big backstory yeah they never go into it but that's sort of implied isn't it yeah <laughs> he owes him money King Kong dated his sister for a while it didn't yeah. go well and... yeah Samuel Jackson's sister was the bride of Kong yeah <laughs> um so they um they go and then so that group's going to get the ammo and then there's this sort of face-off between Kong and the army where they're basically trying to burn him to death with napalm. Yeah. Uh, and then, but then Hiddleston and who another character we haven't mentioned, uh, Captain Marvel. Um, um, Brie Larson. Brie Larson. She's, she sort of is the, I guess, the version of um, the... the well, in all these films, there's only one woman, isn't there? And she's normally the one that is carried up the top of the building. Yeah. But because that doesn't happen in this, uh, she still does have probably the closest relationship with Kong, but it's nothing like the other films. Her and Tom Hiddleston are both like, no, we're going we're gonna to save Kong. And John C. Riley's like, yeah, I'm in on that as well because he, he loves Kong. Yeah. He's protected him for 28 years. So they go and they um, they uh, pre- uh, basically face off with Samuel L. Jackson and turn the army on Samuel L. Jackson. They're like, let's save Kong. And then then is it the final battle is Kong versus one of the, the big skull crawler who we hadn't it, seen it, to that point? Yeah. Is it sort of Kong and the army against the big skull crawler? Like they join forces? Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, that's right. Because they have that boat that's made out of the plane and that comes up shooting at it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, and then, yeah, they end up defeating it. Is that? And I think that's the end. And then there's like this post credit scene where John C. Riley gets to go home and, and meets his son who he had just before uh, leaving for the war. So he's been gone 28 years. So he gets to meet his 29-year-old son. Oh wow! And that happens like yeah, uh, after uh, as the credits roll, it's just sort of like a nice scene. It's yeah, kind of sweet, odd yeah. that they would normally not bother doing that. That would just be up to your imagination. But they really they show him knocking on yeah. the door, his son being like, 
who's this guy? And then they hug. Maybe his wife drops her glass. Makes it seem like maybe she was even waiting for him. For oh, 28 man. years. It's quite nice. Yeah. I'm 29. and I'm trying to picture how I'd feel if John C. Riley showed up and it was like, <laughs> I'm, I'm actually your dad. Cause I, was, I was in the war and then... I befriended King Kong, and now I'm back. <laughs> it's a lot to take in, Dad. It's a lot to take in, yeah. And then there's a post-credit scene where uh, Tom Hiddleston and Brie Larson are in a in like a an interrogation room behind double uh, one side mirror, and they're yelling at the mirror. What do you want from us? We won't talk about Kong. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> and then. Um, uh monarch is the is the group who i guess is maybe there's history in that but they're the ones who uh, they're the organization government organization who secretly looks into the big monsters and they i guess they're sort of like the what's samuel l jackson's job in in avengers uh, he works for shield it's sort of like the yeah. uh monarch is the shield of this um monster verse and uh, one of the monarch workers comes out and says, "No, nah, you're at Monarch. Let's go find. Let's go find Godzilla." He doesn't say that. They show a bunch of photos. <laughs> it's basically like, "Hey, just to let you know, we're about to do a film that combines yeah. Kong and Godzilla." <laughs> I wish he just said it like that. Yeah, listen, cinema audience, just letting you know. If you like this, then imagine this yeah. with more Godzilla. And then he's wish... raising his eyebrows at the at the camera. I wish the movies ended like um like comedy festival shows where they were like, anyway, please tell your friends about this. Uh, I got you know a lot of shows left, so if you enjoyed it, you tweet about it, please, or something like. If you didn't like it, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> Keep it to yourself. All right. That's good fun. That's good fun. Uh, if you if you like uh, movies like this, uh, hang around. There's a few other big monster movies out yeah. at the moment. <laughs> Some of my mates are uh, doing great monster stuff. Uh, yeah, go check it out. Just go to the box office. You'll see. Just take a chance on a movie. Yeah. <laughs> see a big name movie, but then go try take a chance on a movie you've never heard of as well. Uh, uh, so we've done go. it. We've nailed this film. We've... Uh, I... I've looked up. Uh, I haven't actually checked, but I've looked up. I've got the Rotten Tomatoes page here. What would you What would you guess be at the the splatometer? They do it. Uh, they collate all the different critics' scores and then they give it a, an overall score. What would um, your guess be? God, I don't know. Like not uh, something that's not not good, but not bad either. Like I'd say, like sixty five or something. You're pretty close to the audience. The audience gave it a very nice score of 69%. Yeah, that's uh, very funny to me. <laughs> and the tomatometer, or the splatometer, gave it a 75%. Ah. So the critics liked it more than the audiences. That's interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. I would have it's thought this like was a- kind of the film that was ripe for critics to just go, I know about movie history, let me lay into this. But yeah, yeah. they seem to be into it. That, I that think implies- I'd give it less than that. What, what kind of mm. banana score would you give it? Um, I reckon I'm like would like fifty percent from memory. Yeah, I would give it fifty percent. I think I'd five out of ten. Five out of ten bananas. Yeah, uh, I would be. Yeah, I'd maybe be a little bit better than that. I, there were parts of it I really liked. I'm like, oh, I like because the Peter Jackson version held no nostalgia for me. 
in either the you know nods to the original or a 90s cinema because I didn't see it at that time. So there were bits of this one where I'm like, I like how this is, you know, it's a bit more modern and it, it feels like a, a current blockbuster. Yeah. But I think I still prefer the Peter Jackson one, um, probably by a, a fair margin, even though it was so long. Uh, I think I would get, I'd be slightly more friendly though. I'd say probably a four and a half out of seven bananas. Yep. <laughs> Let me, I'll read a few of the, uh, the little critics, um, on, on Rotten Tomatoes, it gives breakdowns of some of the reviews, sort of one line is out of different reviews. Uh, here's one of the splats, one of the ones that didn't like it, from Chris McCoy of the Memphis Flyer. He well, wrote, "No worries, no, no surprise." Chris McCoy didn't like this one. <laughs> he wrote, "A lot of stuff happens on Skull Island, but none of it makes much sense. So, so there's no emotional movement. I think that's a bit, that's a bit true, uh, Chris." Yeah, yeah. I mean, none of it makes sense. Like, of course not. It's a giant. Like, it's King Kong. Like, okay, I think. I, if, I guess the dynamics between the characters often don't make sense. I'll yeah, you're sort of like, why is why is Samuel L. Jackson so hell-bent on killing it? Surely he'd be more likely to want to just get the remaining men off the island alive. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's not really a fair understanding of military protocol. Yeah. That, like, the head of the army loses one man and then gets so personally enraged that he goes into the jungle by himself and you know i don't think that's how the military works i think um i think from my knowledge of my limited knowledge of apocalypse now maybe there's a maybe that's a nod to a character from that as well maybe there's a a power mad uh army officer in that or something as well this is going to be infuriating for the big apocalypse now heads listening yeah (laughs) (laughs) uh the other splat was from michael Shragro of Film Comment Magazine. What a great name for a, yeah. a magazine. And he wrote, What's you fate? films at your magazine? Yeah, more film comments. <laughs> well, his film comment on this one is, What's fatal to this movie is that it lacks visionary gusto. <laughs> okay. Well, can't argue with that because I don't no. really understand it. I feel like that's... It's like it's a fair criticism, but then like... Like, yeah, like what's, of course, like that's just every, every movie that isn't, like so few things have visionary gusto. That's yeah. why, that's why it's even noteworthy is that it's rare to be a visionary. Yeah. Yeah. Why? It's, this it's a hard film... criticism of something to say like, oh, it's not visionary. Yeah. Like, yeah. Most films aren't. Yeah. The top, it's not in the top 1% of films ever made. Yeah. You can't, you can't expect everything to be visionary. Otherwise you're just going to be disappointed like, endless your whole life is a disappointment i like this uh this is from a positive review from charlotte o'sullivan of the london evening standard just one line the cgi kong is cool (laughs) (laughs) argue with that yeah i've never read the london evening standard but that's not what i imagined it would be like this was cool (laughs) yeah this is rad that sounds like how i'd review stuff pretty much yeah yeah, I liked it. That's good. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. That's what I would say if, like, I was talking to friends who knew a lot about film and they were having, like, a very serious talk about something and then they were like, what do you think? I was like, oh, yeah, it was cool. 
Uh, here's one from MTV critic Amy Nicholson. She writes, Creedence Clearwater Revival thrums on the soundtrack. Has any 70s movie managed to avoid it? But when the giant spider starts stomping, Vocht Roberts, is the name of the director, earns the right to blast run through the jungle. He earns the right. That's fun. He was What a way to earn the right. You just need to get a big spider. Yeah. It's a really complex... They've got a real complex uh, copyright law surrounding yeah. Creedence Clearwater <laughs> Revival songs. Yeah, it's got to put... It's weird when there's movies that aren't about big monsters, but still, like, they're like, um, you know, like, there's documentaries about political policy around the Vietnam (laughs) War, and then they have to sort of crowbar in that giant spider so they can use it later on in the soundtrack. Smart, eh? John Fogarty was a visionary. Um, Have you heard that story about the, um, the producer of the Wild Wild West and his love of big spiders? No. Apparent, it's this famous story that um, Kevin Smith talks about because he uh, he did some talk or podcast or something where he was saying he was in because he was like a big like comic books nerd and uh, after Clerks came out there was he was in talks with this producer guy about making a new Superman movie. This is like in the nineties, I guess, and he. His, and he just had these funny stories about the producer being like how King how not King Kong, how Superman should have like it's like he just didn't understand Superman at all. Like he, he didn't want Superman to fly and he didn't want him to wear like the the cape or anything or like didn't want him to look like Superman and uh they I wish I could remember more of the stuff, but he That's he was, so funny. I mean just taking away flight from him is a wild idea, but like yeah. make him I don't want him to look like Superman or act in any way like Superman. Yeah, and it's like he there was a bunch of other stuff I can't really remember, but one of the big things was he was obsessed with Superman fighting a giant spider. And um and I think Kevin Smith didn't really like it or he had other ideas and he, the guy just wouldn't give up. He's like, no, 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 you got to get, get this giant spider in there. Superman's got to fight a giant spider. It's the perfect enemy for Superman. And Kevin's just like, oh, I don't know. And he sort of went back and forth on it a bit. And then, you know, for whatever reason, it's Hollywood. It didn't, didn't go ahead. They just sort of stopped. He wrote a script for it, but it never got made. And that's just that. Um, but the guy was just a nightmare. Like he was like notoriously hard to deal with and just Kevin Smith had a real bad experience with him. And then like years later, he goes to see the movie Wild Wild West. Yeah. And, uh, he's sees in the opening credits that's (laughs) produced by this guy. And he's like, Oh, it's that guy. And then like, I don't know if you remember the Wild Wild West, but it's Uh, like, I've only seen clips. It's an old timey Western where there's no advanced technology of any kind but it still ends with them fighting a giant mechanical spider at the end they're like cowboys battling this giant robot spider (laughs) what oh has anyone asked him what his fascination with giant spiders is i mean i'm sure did credence play now (laughs) we earned the right but he's still they've it's like a get out of jail, jail free card in Monopoly. Like you just get like you can do it in anything now. Yeah. You do one giant spider. He could play it. He could play it <laughs> as like at his wedding, at his funeral, at any movie now. That's so good. Oh my god. I yeah. I I've seen clips of that. I, I and I never quite understood 
how the yeah maybe that's the only scene i've seen but the mechanical stuff in wild wild west was like what's what is this film yeah i don't think i want to see it but it feels like it should have had the opposite effect i should have been like i gotta see this to understand what's going on but i'm like i don't think i want to see this uh, yeah, I don't think it's good, but I could be wrong. I, I feel like I saw it when I was a kid, so... or There's a few movies where I, I remember thinking it was bad at the time, and then as time has gone on, I've realised I actually really love quite bad things. Right. Like, I reckon I could enjoy a lot of stuff that was real shitty. Yeah. I think it, it had Kevin Klein and Will Smith, I think, and they're both, yeah. they both can be really good. I'm sure there would have been some... Just some undeniable, just cool guy shit in the yeah. movie. Yeah. I just cool remembering... Fired guns. I think where I would have seen it probably would have been in the Will Smith film clip for Wild Wild West, the theme song to Wild Wild West. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was a real... That was peak rapping the soundtrack to the movie that you're yeah. in. Being... Will Smith was the best at it as well. Yeah. I, did anyone else even really do it? Yeah, maybe not. Because he did... He had... Uh, Wild Wild West, he had Men in Black. Did he have one for Independence Day? I feel like he might have. And then there was... Uh, was there one? And Switch or Hitch? No, that uh, that I'm confusing two things there, maybe. he had a, Didn't he have a film with the King of Queens guy? Yeah. Where he was a, a love expert? Did, was that what Hitch that was? That was Hitch, or Switch? yeah. Did, and then he had a song called Hitch or Switch? No, I might be confusing things there, but... I think he had a song called Switch and a movie called Hitch, and I don't know if they were related at all. <laughs> right. But they probably would have been about the same time now yeah. I'm about it. Ugh. Maybe that would, they just got him to do it, like, as a subliminal thing. They were yeah, like, that's it's, smart. It would be too kind of... It's a bit antiquated to do... To, act, to explicitly rap about what the movie is about, but you can just sort of say things that make people... You know, think about the movie. Imagine if that imagine that conversation with Will Smith, the producer saying that to him. But he's like, "But that's that's what I do. That's yeah. you, you're saying I'm antiquated. Yeah. <laughs> Is this the end of Will Smith?" He would have said. <laughs> um, uh, so. Uh, yeah, so there's heaps of heaps of positive reviews actually, uh, which is is kind of cool. Um, this one from Tim Brenner says Tom Hiddleston is supremely confident and Brie Larson wants to take an un- uh, take an unforgettable picture because she's a photographer in this. And it's and then second sentence, everybody is fine. And that's a, posit- <laughs> a positive review for the film. Uh, but yeah, uh, the other thing we normally do at the end of these episodes, Jack, is we uh, talk, talk about the, the main primate in the film and we give them... Uh, we say how much of ourselves we see in them. So... I can't even remember what we said about King Kong last week, but I, I'd be interested to see, think, see if you have more or less in common with this Kong than last week. Um, I mean, I don't remember it as well, to be honest, but I think this one... Well, I'll, I'll tell you one thing about it. He's way bigger. He is, That is a lot bigger. And I'm a lot bigger than I was when I saw the uh, 2005 one as well. Yeah, yeah. so... So in that way, I, I see myself in, in both these Kongs. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I think that uh, this Kong did a did a great deal to defend the people of the island, which 
I would have done as well, I think, if I, if I had that power and I lived on the island and there were, you know, skull monsters coming up. I could yeah. see myself and I had the power to crush them. I think that's what I would do. Yes. So I, I see myself in that respect. Yeah, I think, yeah, that I, I aspirationally, I would say the same. Yeah, I'd love to do that. I think I'd find it easier to kill these skull monsters than the beautiful old uh, dinosaurs from the Peter Jackson one. Yeah. Oh, I would have felt bad killing dinosaurs, but these gross skull monsters, easy. That was, that, I think that was one of the things that I definitely preferred about Peter Jackson's one was the dinosaurs and a lot of those animals. I think the island, the inhabitants of the island at least, were great uh, in the Peter Jackson one. I thought I reckon the island was beautiful in this version. I loved all of that. I loved a lot of the uh, uh, sort of cinematic techniques that the director used, um, uh, sort of playing with slow-mo and... Um, and uh, silence and stuff like that, which I know it, it happens a bit in blockbusters now, but I think it, I think it was a, quite a beautiful looking film. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's just and it would have been hard because he wasn't able to kill Kong in the end. So that's just a it just makes the film seem a little unfinished at the end. Kong sort of just walks off into the distance. Yeah, that's true. You want some kind of satisfying, like yeah, you want either Kong to die or Kong to kill everyone else <laughs> yeah you one of the two some resolution yeah um i loved uh i loved a few of the big animals from this so i thought the big spider was great geez it'd be interesting to see if that same producer was involved in this film <laughs> uh also i uh, loved the there was this big buffalo thing do you remember that oh it was yeah, a big yeah. beautiful chunky buffalo i love chunky animals they're my favorite <laughs> kinds wombats bison they're my favorite animals Outside of obviously primates, which are of officially my favourite kinds of animals, um, and uh, yeah, so now probably it's time to thank a few patrons, Jack. If you got another few minutes before we wrap up, yeah, of course. Um, so you can support this show at Patreon.com/slash/DoGoOnPod, as well as the show Do Go On, which is a podcast I've been doing for about four and a half years with my friends Jess and Dave. We talk about a different topic each week. This week's topic. Uh, I did a report on uh, this wild event. It was this uh, guy called Andrew C. Thornton, and he he was found uh, dead sky in a skydiving accident on on this driveway um, in Knoxville, in America, and then and then they, we sort of trace back how he got there, and then it, the story ends up with this um, big black bear a couple of states over dying of a cocaine overdose and then really and then it the story goes on from there it's quite a wild ride but anyway if, if people are interested in that you can find that at do go on we also do a show called book cheat with dave warnicky where he reads a classic book so you don't have to uh which is one of my favorite podcasts jack you've been on that a few times i think i was yeah recently on uh, the breakfast at tiffany's episode with jess perkins that was a lot of fun Awesome. And then the other one we do is called Listen Now, and that's a music podcast where I go through um, albums with my cousin Sam. The first season was all about the back catalogue of classic Aussie rock band Cold Chisel. 19 episodes, one for every COVID. Um, so it's a really good COVID bunker down <laughs> podcast to get into. Uh, of and, the COVIDs, which is your favourite so far? Uh, one to 19? Oh, it's a tough call. 
Um, yeah, I like the early era of COVID, but once once they got back together, yeah, I think they've done a lot of good stuff. You know, they've matured in in their songwriting and those sort of things. Maybe didn't have some of the electricity of a of a young COVID. Yeah, but I agree um, with that. yeah, if you you should come on, we're, we're gonna uh, start when we can um, get back together in the same room. We're gonna do a season with guests coming on to talk about. Uh, a really important album to them if you had oh. to pick one what would you choose um putting you on the spot something to no, think about i got you it would be transcendental youth mountain goats oh great yeah i forget you're a huge mountain goats fan yeah big time i could actually That'd... do any mountain goats album i think no right. i didn't no i don't have you know when you really like a band but you you like you like it at a certain point and they've been doing stuff up until that point already yeah so it's like you i think you have a different relationship with the ones that there's some way you're anticipating a new release that you're excited about and then there's totally. some that are just part of the back catalog where you like them but I, f- I feel like there's some that are so so much earlier than when i started caring about it it's kind of hard to feel the same I think it, it's interesting with the classic bands. I reckon you can tell people's ages, or at least the age they got into that band, by what their favorite album of that band is. Yeah. And I, I reckon we really found that with Cold Chisel. Um, people, you, you'd be like, there are different people like this is easily their best album, and uh, depending on their age or the age that they discovered them, you could sort of tell which album it was going to be. And I found that pretty fascinating. And it makes sense, you know. I think anything. It's it's hard to just um, review something without other factors coming into play, like where you were in your life and how you were feeling and how that yeah, album affected definitely. you and all that sort of stuff. So that's definitely. all interesting stuff. Anyway, same with Kongs in a lot of way. Yes, very similar to Kong. So I think that's why for me, the first Kong film that I'm going to see, having anticipated its release, is going to be Godzilla versus Kong. Yeah. <laughs> if not, um, uh, Undead Kong versus big dracula count kong versus big dracula. <laughs> count kong versus big dracula that's even better yeah uh so you can support all those shows at patreon.com slash do go on pod one of the rewards is uh on this show i'll thank you and uh read out a little message you wrote about uh primates or whatever you like and as we proved on the last episode jack i don't read these until i read them out because yeah. I, I don't know if you recall <laughs> I, one I of them was that. just some sort of a housekeeping message to another person on the thread yeah <laughs> and i didn't realize until i was halfway through reading out anyway this week i'd love to thank troy vinton brown fantastic name tvb troy writes my favorite primate is the gibbon i really like their run on two legs i really like they run on two legs with their arms waving around that is a great run who knows what to do with their arms when walking anyway i also love their howl that's a given really bracket that's, that's a, a given, given. That's a good one. Thank you, Troy. That is good. They are they do an amazing howl. Past guest Alistair Trombley Birchall mimics the Gibbon howl so well. Or is it the howler monkey does? I forget. And probably couldn't tell them apart, to be honest. But uh fantastic reasons there, Troy, for why the Gibbon is your favourite primate. Well done. Um have we we would have talked about it before, Jack. What's your favourite primate? Um I'm sure we've talked about it. Every time, and I can't remember what my answer would have been. I, no, I said spider monkey. Oh, that's right, spider I think, monkey. I think the the way they move around and just the energy they hook onto different branches and stuff with the tails, sick. Love that's right. Because you're, yeah, you're a rock climber. You, uh, yeah, I think, yeah, I think they would. Re- if you could, 
get a spider monkey to understand the the rules of competitive rock climbing or you know or even even speed ascents on known climbs or anything i think it would really change the game in the climbing <laughs> circuit 100 percent um so thank you very much troy uh this next one's from xz neil xz writes or xz i don't know yeah it's written xz 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 neil writes ape joel is the only ape for me and if you say you don't like him evan you're saying that you hate joel Dusha. Okay, well, luckily Evan's not here because he would admit publicly that he hates Joel Dusha. He would do it, and I'm glad he wasn't here to put that on the record. Uh, uh, Ape Joel, I know about Ape Joel. Uh, Joel Dusha is a pre- previous guest of the show. He's always from the Sands Pants Podcast Network, and Ape Joel is a character he does, I think, in one of their D&D shows. Ah, oh, right, right, right. Uh, and he comes up a lot. <laughs> People love Ape Joel, and... I don't know him personally, Ape Joel. I know Joel Dusha, yep. but I think I'd like Ape Joel as well. Uh, yeah, that checks out. Thank you, XZ or XZ Neil. Uh, Tom Murray writes, my favourite would have to be... I've added in have to be. <laughs> A little poetic licence there. My favourite would be the orangutan, mainly because when I was a kid, I had a picture book that was about an escaped orangutan where the characters in the book helped find it. It was one of those custom-made books where the characters were all named after me and my friends, and as a five-year-old, that blew my mind. Oh, that's so cool, Tom. That's blowing my mind as a 29-year-old. <laughs> I had one of those sort of books, but it was a, a Santa book, and uh, yeah, it was the same idea that it would just it would change the name of the boy that he was going to visit to Matt, and then a couple, uh, my siblings had their names included and stuff as well, and it felt, it felt like a magic book. Me. I wonder that... if, because I read all my books on my Kindle now, I wonder if there's just a setting I could apply that every character in every book was just me and my friends. That's yeah. it. i got to get that going. That's If that doesn't exist, that should. Imagine you're reading the one of the novelizations of King Kong, but it just changed yeah. it to King Jack. <laughs> King Jack. The, the pilots shooting it down are also <laughs> named Jack. Yeah, everyone's Jack. That's real good. And I feel like most of the books I read now are like sort of like non-fiction psychology books. And I like the idea of it being like and a study at the University of Stockholm done by Jack and his friends confirmed <laughs> that. <laughs> like... Yeah, that's great. Uh, thank you, Tom. That, that was a great blast from the past. I entirely had forgotten about that Santa book that I had as a kid. Thank you for that little bit of nostalgia. And finally, I'd love to thank Siobhan Lavelle. What a... Great name. Siobhan writes, My favourite primate is Evan Munro-Smith because he sounds cute and cuddly and has a cute little laugh and he he says cute funny things about loving Andy from Toy Story's legs better than monkeys. Evan seems like a good person, humbly accepting his role as second banana and always being a good sport, putting up with Matt's crap. (laughs) If all primates were more like Evan... We would truly live in a better world. Oh, Siobhan, fantastically said. In a lot of ways, I think maybe it's humans that are the real animals. <laughs> so I think that's something to think about. Do you think animals are the real humans? Animals are the real humans, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, thank you so much, Siobhan. That is so good. Uh, please review us uh, on iTunes or wherever. If you give us five stars, uh in one of the last few episodes coming up, we've got five more until we go on to hiatus. I'll go through all the 
five-star reviews that I haven't read out as yet. Hey, Jack, where can people find you? Um, if you want to follow me on Twitter, that would be great. And I uh, do a newsletter, which is a always been a semi-regular thing, but um, due to uh, current lockdown stuff and not being able to do stand-up, I've made it more of a regular thing. So I do a weekly newsletter that I've been putting a bit of effort into at the moment. It's been a lot of fun. So if you want to subscribe to that, the info is uh, on my Twitter as well. Yeah, it's a great newsletter. I love seeing it hit my inbox. Um, yeah, thanks, man. And, uh, yeah, if you want to follow Primates, you can do it at Primates Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. I'm at uh, Matt Stewart underscore Art on Twitter or Matt Stewart Comedy on Instagram and Facebook. I'm doing cameos now. I think there'll be a link to that in the show notes. Um, I haven't had anyone get me to do a primate-related one. I'll attempt a howler monkey sound for the price of 20 bucks on Cameo. I'm absolutely up for sale. We'll say whatever you like. Have I told you this, Jack? I did one recently where a guy wanted me to uh, apologize to his mum because his dog coughed up a condom in front of her. (laughs) And then his mum got me to record a message back to him asking him to move out. (laughs) It was so so fun to be involved. I felt so strange, but so fun to be involved in. His mum was uh, obviously had a great sense of humor. If there's any mums out there who have sons who they need to move out, who yeah. like my comedy for some reason, get in touch. I'll do do that free of charge. I'll yeah, do it. I'll get Add it to the end of it. Kid out of the house. You should do it at the end of your newsletter. Have a yeah. <laughs> and here's a list of boys who need to move out. <laughs> the official eviction notice for all the boys. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Thanks so much for listening, Jack. Thanks so much for the first. Uh, the first uh, double header episode that we've ever done. Oh, no worries, man. It's an absolute delight. And yeah, hopefully uh, we'll uh, have you back on some future incarnation of this show because uh, you are one of my favorite guests. And oh, I thanks, do man. highly recommend that newsletter for listeners and your videos as well. But you can find all that on your Twitter, right? Yeah, yeah, I got it. That's, yeah. Just go to the Twitter and, and figure it out from there. Okay, guys? It's all yeah. there. It's what you need. I think people who've uh, figured out podcasting, they're yeah. probably going to be able to <laughs> figure out the internet and following a few links. Um, yeah. So, Jack, thanks so much for joining us. And as we always say here at the Primates Podcast, um, keep swinging for the bananas. <laughs> podcast is part of the planet broadcasting network visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates i mean if you want it's up to you even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.